Many couples that have been married for a few years and some longer have asked, why does marriage seem to be so hard? Why can't we get along better? It feels like it is such work and is it worth it? And marriage can be very difficult in the beginning because you take these two people that have come from two different families, two different backgrounds, and you throw them in this house together 24-7, every day, all day, essentially to duke out their differences. And it's no wonder that some find the first years of marriage to be a struggle. And even times there are marriages that get stuck in this place and their struggles and their difficulties last for years and years, often ending up with either a miserable marriage or divorce. I went through some of these same things in the beginning of my marriage, and so I'm sharing with you today what I learned during those years to help you understand what this process is, why it's necessary for your marriage, and also some tips to be able to help you make this process of the beginning of your marriage easier. So let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting to do life God's way but are unsure how or what that even looks like? Do you sometimes fear that you're doing this whole wife and mom thing all wrong and want to know how to do it right? Or do you want to stop worrying all the time and learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Bible study teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to find biblical answers to life's challenging questions in His Word to know what His promises are for you, how to apply them to your life, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day and follow the amazing plan that God has for you, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. So as I said, my husband and I did have some of those same problems in the beginning of our marriage in working out those differences that we had between one another. And it took some serious effort to work through them and a lot of learning and changing along the way. But it led us to have a deeper relationship, a deeper love for one another, and it made us stronger together. And now we have a relationship that we both cherish and are thankful for every day. Looking back, I see that it was a process that we needed to go through to develop our own family dynamic, to become that one flesh that's described in scripture. I also learned a few things along the way that if I would have known then what I know now would have made things a bit easier. So hopefully these things will help you as well. The first thing that I learned has to do with the struggle with your husband. One of the first things that we read in scripture about marriage is that a man is to leave his father and his mother and to be joined to his wife. They will be one flesh. Becoming one with your husband is a part of the intimacy that only you and your husband share. It's a part of that bond of marriage 
that you were created for and that you have with him and no one else. In Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. That helper is you as his wife. And then continuing in chapter 2 in verses 21 through 25, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up his flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So like I said, he created you, his wife, to be his helpmate. That the two of you together would be companions, friends, caregivers to one another, and lovers to one another. That you would be one flesh, each being the one person in the other one's life that you are closest to. When you're dating or you're just married, those differences that you had with your husband, they seemed endearing and cute and they didn't bother you at all. But now that you live with them every day, all day, all the time, they can become rather annoying and aggravating. Since both you and your husband come from different family backgrounds, you have different family dynamics that you were a part of, you also have different opinions on things. You have different ways of doing things. You have different likes and different dislikes. In my house growing up, there was always one right way to do things and every other way was wrong. Basically, dad's way was the right way. Every other way was wrong. And there was also the right tool to be used. And that was the only tool that you used. However, in my husband's home, not so much. If the right tool wasn't available or wasn't close by, then you just grabbed whatever might work. And however you got the job done is however you got the job done, as long as you had the right conclusion at the end. So when we got married, something had to give. I mean, my husband's way of doing things wasn't really wrong like I had been taught. It was just a different way to accomplish the same thing. So this is kind of a funny story in our family. So he proved this to me one day by cutting up an apple with a spoon. Like, is this how I would do it? Absolutely not. Did he accomplish his task? Yes, he did. And like I said, it's been a joke in our family, but he did it to show me, hey, it doesn't matter what I use. I don't have to use a knife. I can use whatever I want to use as long as my apple is cut up into pieces that I can eat. Who cares? And since the way that he's doing it isn't really wrong, I have no just justification to get upset with him about it or to tell him that he's wrong. Instead, I had to learn not to worry about it. Not to worry about how he was getting something done, what tool he was using or anything like that, but just to be thankful and glad that he took care of it and that I didn't have to worry about it. It takes time, years even, to learn what your differences are and to learn to appreciate the good ones, like the fact that, you know, maybe you're afraid of spiders and he comes and kills them all for you. Or in my case, my husband is a computer nerd and I really don't have time nor interest in it. 
So when I have a problem and my computer is not working the way that I think that it should or what I need it to do, then I just call my husband and say, here, baby, fix this. And he does. And so some of those differences can be a blessing to us. The way to make this time of melding your lives together a little easier is to learn to live with some of those small things that are different, some of the things that you don't like. For instance, I've talked to you before about the how, about how my husband uses every pan in the kitchen when he's making dinner because for him, making dinner is all about having it done at the, at the same time, that it's all hot and that it tastes great. And he's not using all the pans in the kitchen to get back to me. He's not using it because he doesn't care about me. It's because his goal is different than mine. It's not wrong. It's just different than what mine is. And so I have learned to not worry about that because you know what, ladies, he makes dinner for me every day. I don't care how many pans he uses anymore because I think it's fabulous that he makes dinner for me and that's a blessing. It's recognizing that not everything that your husband does that is not the way that you would do it is not because he's trying to get back to you. It's not because he's wanting to irritate you. It's not because he doesn't care. It's just because his way of doing things are different from your way of doing things. Now, there are times when those things that he does are larger. They're a problem in your marriage and there are things that need to be discussed. And we need to choose our battles in those. And we need to bring those things to our husbands and to discuss them with him. In the beginning of my marriage, when my husband and I would have some kind of a tiff, he would leave. He would get in his car and he would go and cool off. And after he had done that a few times, I went to him and said, okay, you can't do that. You know, if you're upset, if you don't want to talk to me for a little while, if you want to go have some time alone, that's great. But you can't leave the house because what is that showing our kids? So we had a discussion about it. He understood my point of view and that this was not the best thing for us to do. And he stopped doing it. So we must learn to discuss some of those larger issues, those things that we just can't seem to let slide, or we're seeing that they are impacting our family as a whole. We need to be willing to learn to compromise, to change some of our bad habits, and to maybe do things a little bit differently to please our spouse. And as you do this, well, then you create your own opinions together and you create your own family dynamic that is going to be different than everyone else's. There are no two families that are exactly the same. You each are going to have your own way of living life, your own way of loving one another and raising your children. And that's what you and your husband are working towards is what that family dynamic for you and him are going to look like and what it's going to be like for your kids. In light of this, especially in the beginning of marriage, we really need to be willing to be molded and changed and melded together to become that one flesh, to develop that dynamic that is yours and yours alone. So here's a good example of this. Years ago, when my kids were little, they wanted to make a fort in the middle of the living room. And we were all home one day, maybe it was a Saturday, I'm not sure. But we were all home and the kids came to me and they're like, oh, mom, can we make a fort in the living room? And without even giving it a second thought, I said, no, you can't make a fort down here. And they all kind of went, oh, okay, fine. And they walked away. Well, my husband came up to me 
in private. Um, that's something that we've never done is to go to each other in front of our kids because you need to make sure that that's not what you do. But he comes to me in private and he says, why? Why can't they make a fort in the living room? And I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, that's what I would have been told as a child is, no, you can't make a fort in the living room. It's going to make a mess. And he's like, what? Why can't they do that? Why can't they make a mess? We'll clean it up. It's not that, you know, fold up a few sheets and blankets, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And I realized that I was taking my own family dynamic, the thing that I had grown up with, and I was putting it forth onto my children. Well, that's not how my husband grew up. My husband was allowed to make forts and to do those things and to have that kind of fun. It didn't harm anything for him to do that. And it was a good bonding time for his, you know, for him and his family. And so I had to go back to my kids and go, you know what? Let's go make a fort in the middle of the living room. Because that's the kind of way that my husband and I want to raise our children. Not in the way that I was raised as a child, but in the way that my husband and I have discussed and want to raise our kids together. And so if you have children you know, have these discussions about raising them and have them done in private, not in front of your kids. Differences in child rearing are not to be worked out in front of your children. You need a united front with your husband. That is of the utmost importance. Trust me, if you don't, your kids will use it against you. So then the second thing that I learned is the struggle with parents. There are a few times in scripture where it does talk about being one one flesh with your husband. And each time it also mentions that a man is to leave his father and mother and to be joined to his wife. Scripture tells us what our roles are as husbands and wives and how we are to be to one another. And this does not include our parents. They are not a part of this relationship. In Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, it says, wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So in the role of husband and wife, the husband is to love the wife as Christ loves the church, and the wife is to submit to her husband in everything. Neither your parents or his parents should be involved in this marriage relationship. This is commandments that are to one another. I've seen where the ties of parents are not properly cut when their children get married, and it causes issues within their relationship where their parents are so involved that it feels more like a marriage of three than a marriage of two. This is generally caused by over-meddling parents who won't cut the ties with their children. They won't let them go and to lead their own lives. Or it can be because of a husband or a wife that won't leave mom and dad and be joined to their spouse. This is a huge hindrance to becoming one flesh with your husband, as Christ calls us to be. As the wife, the first person that you should go to for any kind of discussion, guidance when you are struggling, or any other issues is your husband, not your parents. We're not to be going to our husband and saying, well, my mom and dad said this. These challenges and struggles that are within your marriage, they should be discussed with your husband and, if necessary, kept between you and your husband alone. 
Not that you can't ever go to your parents for advice. My children and even my in-law kids come to my husband and I for help all the time. But it's done so with the blessing of their spouse. And they know that whatever it is that we tell them, that we're going to give them our opinion, our guidance, but they're still free to do whatever it is that they as a couple with their spouse decide is best for them. As wives, we also need to be careful not to be calling our dads to come to our rescue, but to allow your husband to take that role. Your husband wants to be your protector, that one who provides for you, that comes to your your rescue, that knight in shining armor, if you will. So make sure that you are allowing him to take that role in your life. I've also seen the opposite, unfortunately. Where once a couple gets married, they completely disregard their parents, either their parents or their in-law parents, and they push them out of their lives. This is also not a biblical relationship with your parents after marriage. In Ephesians 6, 1-3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And then in Proverbs 23, 22, it says, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. So not only are we to honor our father and mother while we are children, while we're growing up, but we are to continue in that after we were married. Just as we read, we're to listen to our father who begot us and not despise our mother when she is old. So we are to continue to honor them, to care for them, and to be there for them. They're just not to be in the middle of our marriage relationship. And our parents can be a huge support to us, particularly if we have kids and they are grandparents to our children. That is a wonderful blessing to have in your life. Now, there is one other thing with parents that I want to touch on because, yes, some parents are difficult. They may not be believers. They may have sinful ways that are very evident in their lives. And so they tend to be a bad influence to our children or just a problem to be around because they cause problems when they are around. And we had this situation with with my father. He wasn't a part of our lives very often, but when he was, he generally brought strife and difficulty and was even hurtful at times. I felt that I needed to honor my father and my mother. And so, and I needed to do this no matter what, even if it was hurtful and that hurt that he was causing, I figured that it was really just towards me and that I was the only one being affected by it until my husband came to me one day and asked, how long will you allow your father to hurt this family? And then I realized it wasn't just me that he was hurting. He was hurting the rest of us as well, and I needed to do something about it. My family and their well-being needed to come before my father, and that honoring him didn't mean that I had to allow my family to suffer because of his actions. We didn't kick my dad out of our lives completely, nor did we badmouth him to our children, but we did definitely limit the time spent with him and the involvement that he had in our lives. And this leads us to the next point, which is the struggle with priorities. God is a God of order, and he lays out in scripture what our relationship priorities should look like. Our first priority, of course, is God. He is to come before everything else in our lives, before our husbands, our kids, our parents, finances, 
even before ourselves. In Exodus 20, verse 3, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. And realize that anything that you choose over what the Lord commands is a God that you are worshiping and putting before Christ. This is often seen in, well, I know that I should be attending church, or I'd like to have more time to read my Bible regularly, but with my job, with kids' activities, or social life, I just don't have time for that. Or I know that scripture tells us to give our tithes and offerings to the church, but I just don't ever seem to have enough left over. Or if I do, it's not very much. In Matthew 6.33, we are commanded as believers to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And then in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, it says here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. God, his word, following his biblical principles for our lives, this is to be first and foremost in everything before anything else. And as a husband and wife, When you are both seeking God first and becoming closer to the Lord, then you are also becoming closer to one another. It's that triangle that we've talked about before where God is at the top point of that triangle and you and your husband are each at the bottom points. And as you each move closer to the Lord, you also move closer to one another, building that relationship and becoming the kind of marriage relationship that God has designed for you. So then our next priority is our spouse. As we talked about earlier, the two of you are now one flesh. You are now acting as one. So the only thing that comes before your husband is God. Your children, parents, friends, ministry, everything else comes after your husband. In Ephesians 5, 28 through 29, it says, So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. And I realize that this is specifically talking about our husbands in loving their wives, but as wives, we're also to love our husbands as our own bodies, to love and to care for them in the same way that we would want them to love and to care for us and to make them a priority in our lives the same way that we want to be the priority in their lives. If you have children, They are the third priority in your life. We see this portrayed in Colossians 3, 18 through 20, where it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. This verse shows us that the relationship between the husband and the wife is directed towards one another and that the wife is to submit to her husband and the husband is to love his wife. Then we see that the children are to obey their parents. Not that the children are to obey mom or to obey dad, but the children come under the authority of both parents. And so we should not be allowing our children to come between us and our husbands or put them before our husbands. An example of this would be if your husband wanted to take you somewhere, maybe it's to spend the day at the races or a car show. My husband's totally into cars. Can you tell? And so your kids, maybe they're small at the time or they're really not into that kind of thing and to be gone all day. 
And so you tell your husband, no, we can't go do that because the kids wouldn't like it or they wouldn't last all day. And so, you know, and you just, you don't go with your husband for something like that. And that's putting our children before our husband. Instead, we should be finding a babysitter, finding somebody that you trust to watch the kids during the day so that you can go spend that quality time with your husband doing what it is that he wants to do. But I see women all the time put their children before their husbands and say to them, no, we can't do this or we can't go there or whatever it is because Johnny doesn't like it or because we can't take him with us. We can't take the kids with us. And this damages the oneness that you and your husband have by not making him a priority in your life. I know that some women would have the attitude that your husband is an adult and he can take care of himself. My children need me to take care of them. And yes, you're right. Your children do need you more and they need that care and attention from you. But your husband needs some of that as well. As a matter of fact, you both need that. You both need to put each other and to put your marriage relationship before your children. That relationship between you and your husband needs to be strong. It needs to be loving because it is what holds your family together. And that is ultimately what is best for your kids. And then the last priority that we're going to talk about today is our parents. Unfortunately, there are some parents who have a difficult time cutting those ties once their child gets married. They continue to want to parent them by giving them unsolicited advice, by demanding how holidays are going to be spent, or by spending too much time in the middle of your family life. And in so doing, they are overstepping their bounds and coming between you and your husband. As a parent of adult children, I kind of get it. I mean, just because my kids are adults, they're still my babies. I still want to make sure that they're happy and that they're cared for and that they're loved. But on the flip side, they need to lead their own lives. They need to make their own choices and their own decisions as a couple. And they need to develop their own family dynamic. My mom has been a great example of this to us in that she would never give me any kind of advice or to meddle in my family's business unless I asked her about it. So I've tried to do the same with my own kids. But know this, learning your new role as a parent of adult children is not always easy. And even with a great example that my mom was to me, I still made mistakes with my kids, with their spouses. It took some time and some trial and error to learn what those new boundaries of our relationship were. So give your parents a little grace but still discuss with them what your expectations are. Allow them to tell you what their thoughts are and then do your best to discover what works for both of you. Being sure that your husband and that your children do still come before your parents, but in so honor them still, not belittling them or cutting them off completely. Allow them to be a part of your life just in the proper place. So learning to become one flesh with your husband and developing that own family dynamic isn't easy, but it is crucial to a long-lasting, loving relationship. So as you listen today, what came to mind for your own marriage? Are there areas where you need to learn to compromise, maybe change some bad habits, or just do things a little bit differently to please your spouse? To maybe 
let go and let your husband do things his own way, even though they're different from yours? Are there things that you need to maybe discuss with him in regards to your relationship or how you're raising your kids and to develop your own family dynamic in what it is that works for you and how it is that you want your family life to be? Are your parents maybe a bit too involved in your marriage and maybe you need to learn to cut the ties and cleave to your husband or maybe to discuss with your parents how they need to maybe take a step back and not be in the middle of your marriage? Do you need to maybe realign some of your priorities and putting God first, your husband second, then your children, and then your parents? If you want to make this time of melding your two personalities together and basically stop duking it out with your husband, then learn to either accept the differences or to discuss them if necessary being willing to change, to change bad habits, to change some of the ways that you are thinking of what your family life was like when you were growing up and work towards creating that own personal loving family unit that God has planned for you in putting God's order of priorities, the order in your life as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are our creator. You created man and woman, and you created the marriage relationship. Lord, we can seek you and know how it's supposed to work. We can seek you for the kind of marriage that you have designed for us to have. Lord, I pray for these women. I pray for these marriages that are represented here, that are listening to this podcast, Lord. I pray that you would give these women boldness to speak up when they need to and discuss things in loving in a loving way to their husbands to clear things and to, to just make that family dynamic, Lord. I pray that you would help them being willing to change, to maybe change bad habits, to maybe let some of those smaller things go and to not worry about it, Lord, and to choose their battles wisely. Lord, I pray that you would help us as women to let go of the ties if we need to with our parents. Help the husbands if they need to, to let go of some of those ties that we would build that strong family relationship, that strong marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, and that they would become one and that they would be one in raising their children up and showing them the godly marriage that you have designed for them. Lord, I pray for parents I pray for parents to learn how to let go and to let their kids lead their own lives, to be there for them when needed, but to step back and allow their kids to make mistakes and to grow and to build their own family unit as to what it is that they would want it to be. Lord, I pray that you would help both husband and wife to put you first to seek you first in all that they do, Lord. And as they grow closer to you and become the godly husband and wife that you have called them to be, then Lord, they will also become closer to one another and they will raise their children in you, Lord. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these women. I pray for their marriages and that you would help them to make this time, this process of melding these family units together, that you would Show them, Lord, that they're really working towards a common goal in what their own family unit is going to look like and that it won't be like anybody else's. And that's okay. 
just as long as the husband and wife are on the same page and that they are building this family and building this relationship together and what works for them under your authority, Lord. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, Ooh, she needs to hear this. Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? Then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today. And know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.